Haley Fountain is the founder of Holistic in Houston, and she works with women of Haley Fountain is the founder of Holistic in Houston, and she works with women to help them live their best life yet through a healthy lifestyle. Haley offers yoga and sound healing, both group and private classes. She also offers workshops, self-guided programs, and one-on-one coaching. And here's where I should say that Haley is an integrative nutritionist, a certified integrative nutrition health coach. She's uh, also a certified international health coach and a member of the International Association for Health Coaches. She also has a 200-hour certified yoga and meditation instructor certification. Haley is, so first of all, I mean, I think this particular episode meshes so well with last week's interview with Corinne Smith. The two of these, these two ladies just go kind of hand in hand in what they're doing in the world and uh, the group of women, the network of women that they serve, the communities that they serve. And Haley is, she's just very vibrant in a different way from Corinne. Uh, I kind of enjoy having these two back to back and kind of, um, I feel like bringing, Haley's bringing in more of kind of that spiritual connection with her Tibetan singing bowl exercise or meditation, guided meditation that she leads at the end of this podcast episode. So that is worth sticking around for. And without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into today's conversation. Welcome to Holistic Wellness a podcast exploring the science and metaphysics of health and wellness. I'm your host, Brandi Searcy, founder and formulator at Rain Organica, where you'll find holistic skincare in one simple routine. Haley, thank you so much for being here and for taking the time to meet with me. Thank you so much for having me, Brandi. I'm really excited to be here and I, I love the work that you do. So I'm just, I'm grateful for you sharing a little bit of time with me today. Will you stop and just talk a little bit more about yourself and about your business? Yeah, sure. So in short, um, I'm a a certified integrative nutrition health coach and um, I work primarily with women. My specialty is around hormonal health. So I work with a lot of women that have um, hormonal health issues ranging from PCOS, fertility issues, women wanting to come off or considering coming off of hormonal birth control, um, women struggling to lose weight and um, lots of other things too. Uh, But those are kind of the primary areas I focus on. I'm also a certified certified yoga and meditation instructor. So I combine sort of that, you know, Western modern um, approach to health, which is like nutrition and exercise with some of the more Eastern, more woo-woo things, energetic um, work a lot, uh, some Eastern medicine principles, traditional Chinese medicine principles, Ayurvedic principles, things like that to help women heal their bodies and become the CEO of their life and their bodies. Okay. And I love what you just said about enabling women or empowering women to become the CEO of their own health and their own bodies. And could we talk just a little bit more about that and about how, you know, why that's so important, especially 
during, especially right now? Yeah. So I have, as someone who personally has spent, has spent most of my young adult life disconnected from my body and not even realizing that I was, um, I now, you know, see a lot of women in my practice and just friends and in life who are really disconnected from their bodies. And what I mean by that is we live in a very, you know, we're so lucky to live in a time where modern medicine is thriving and we have so many ways to heal and to prevent illness and um, get better from, you know, various sicknesses that we get. And because of that, there's so many specialists and so many ways you can um, improve your health. A lot of us outsource our health and we're very disconnected from our bodies, um, you know, with, with social media and technology, like, like we're just, we've become these very logical beings and we're not in our bodies anymore. And a lot of the women that I'm seeing um, in my practice and just day to day are overly stressed, overworked and struggling with health issues and just, you know, taking a pill to fix it, to mask it, the taking a pill to ban- put a bandaid on the situation instead of getting to the root cause of the issue. So, um, you know, I really, one of the things I do, a lot of women come to me when they don't have any other options. They're like, all right, I'm, you know, modern medicine isn't working for me or, you know, for this issue I'm having, or, you know, I, I'm doing all the quote unquote, right things. I'm eating well, I'm exercising. I'm still not losing weight what's wrong here. So I help them to, you know, maybe refine what they're doing again from a physical perspective, but also address some of the emotional and, um, and psychological things that might be preventing them from having the health and the freedom that they want in their body and in their life, because we are not just physical beings. We are physical, mental, emotional, spiritual beings. So kind of combining all that and helping women to tune back into their body and connect to that innate wisdom that we have, reminding them that you, although doctors, health coaches, everyone out there, um, it, you know, has a ton of knowledge. You are the primary knowledge owner of your body, right? So, um, that's, that's in a nutshell what that means. Okay. And with what you just said, I mean, the thing that comes to mind the fastest or the quickest for me, at least is hormonal birth control, because I feel like so often that's where at a very young age, we're going in to see a doctor because of menstrual cycle difficulties of some sort. And then we're put on a pill. And so this is, you know, the very first band aid. So this is what kind of sets the whole thing in motion of this. Um, ultimately it's kind of like a hamster wheel of being on, uh, drugs or even supplements that just perpetuate the whole thing where we keep having to add more and more and take more and more to kind of counter the effects of the one that we started before. Um, in your practice, well, yeah, could we maybe steer the conversation in that direction to begin with at least? Yeah. So I'll start off by sharing just some things that are not commonly known by a lot of people around um, hormonal birth control. So I'm primarily talking about the pill, um, but there are uh, IUD uh, devices that are hormonal and non-hormonal. So I will include the hormonal um, IUD uh, devices as well. So um, yeah, so a lot of us get put on the pill, including myself at 17 years old, I was having really bad cramps and irregular periods. And that's what we knew at the time, right? You go, you get on the pill to quote unquote, regulate your period. The problem is we are, we have been told, or, and I'll share some of the common myths around 
um, the pill and, you know, what I was told and what a lot of women still believe today. We believe that if you have irregular periods or you want to manage your periods, uh, prevent pregnancy, all these things that you have to go on the pill to fix that, right? Um, we are also told that the pill tricks your body into thinking you're pregnant. That's a common myth as well. So when you're on the pill, it tricks your body into thinking you're pregnant. So you can't get pregnant. Um, so the challenge, I'll explain what actually happens when you're taking hormonal birth control. You're taking synthetic hormones. Whenever you're taking synthetic hormones, your body isn't producing as many of them anymore. I like to equate it to like a car. So the, uh, pill cuts off the communication between your brain and your ovaries. Um, if, and, and just like a car, if you just didn't drive your car for six months or a year, it'd probably, you know, be difficult to turn on. You might hear some weird noises, but you could probably still turn it on and drive it. If you didn't drive your car for four years, five years, six years, 10 years, do you think you could just turn it back on and it would just drive smoothly? No, you need to replace a lot of parts. You got to get an oil change, probably, uh, a, a lot of new parts actually. Um, so our bodies are, or our organs, fertility organs are similar to this. When you cut off communication for a long period of time, things are not going to run smoothly. And the challenge too, um, you know, we are told, for example, you can manage your period and regulate your period when you take the pill. Um, the pill, you don't actually have a true period when you take the pill because you don't ovulate when you're on the pill. There, there are a few like lower hormone ones now that sometimes you will ovulate, but the period that you have when you're on the pill is actually a withdrawal bleed because you're taking sugar pills and you're no longer taking um, the synthetic hormones. So you're not ovulating when you're on the pill. You're cutting off communication between your brain and your ovaries. You're not actually having a period. You, if you're going to take the pill, you might as well just not take the sugar pills and just take the pill all the time. They only added that in because women were like, wait, what's going on back in like the sixties when it was introduced, they added the sugar pills. So women would feel like they were having a period, but you're not actually having a period. Um, additionally, you know, to kind of bust that myth about the pill, making your body feel like you're pregnant it actually, what happens to your body, the hormones you have whenever you're pregnant are nothing like the hormones uh, when you're on the pill. They're completely different. Um, it's more accurate to say that a woman's body when she's on the pill is more similar to a woman's body in menopause because it's actually cutting off communication. You're no longer ovulating. Um, you're not releasing a lot, the same levels of hormones that you were when you were um, actively cycling. So those are just a few things I want to mention. On top of that, when you're taking the pill, you are... Um, at risk, uh, much higher risk of four different types of cancers. It can cause a lot of gut issues, particularly leaky guts, um, which is where particles will um, start to seep in, like particles from your food and your intestines start to seep into your bloodstream prematurely. Um, it can cause the, the risk of uh, mental health issues, uh, depression, anxiety, and even suicide rates are higher in young women that take the pill. So um, the reason I share all of this is I am not anti-pill. I took the pill for four or five years because I didn't know any different. I didn't know any other options. I'm grateful for the time that I took it because again, I didn't know any better. Um, but most of us are blindly, you know, this goes back to what I said about being the CEO of your body and empowering yourself. Most of us are blindly taking pills, outsourcing our health and our body decisions to other people, not knowing fully what the risks are and what it's actually doing to our body. And that's why I'm so passionate about this because once I learned everything about what was going on, I was like, 
absolutely not. I'm not going to take this anymore. And I sought out natural alternatives for um, contraception and for the other issues that I was dealing with. And the challenge too, is when you stop taking the pill, if you started taking the pill because you had painful periods or because you had cystic acne, when you stop taking it, those things are going to come back with a vengeance, which that is a band-aid that is not a root cause solution. So I'll stop there, but that's why, you know, I'm not anti-pill, but I think we need to educate ourselves before we put things in our body and we don't know what the risks are. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think um, this goes back to true informed consent because the package insert doesn't I mean, I very much consider myself a hormonal birth birth control um, connoisseur. I was on, I don't know, probably at least five different um, OCPs over the course of 25 years. You know, I read the package insert front and back multiple times. Um, but when I stopped, when I finally stopped taking the pill and experienced the backlash from long-term uh essentially long-term, it, it was almost like my reproductive organs had atrophied, but not only that, uh, my entire system had gotten used to those synthetic hormones. So all of a sudden I was in a lurch from a sugar metabolism point of view. And mm -hmm. I think especially for women who have PCOS and they're put on the, because it will quote unquote regulate their periods. And then they stop taking it and they kind of have that PCOS come back with a vengeance. Um, I, I feel very strongly in particular for that set of women um, that, you know, we really need much more informed consent from our our doctors and our healthcare providers before we're ever put on it. So can you talk a little bit about uh, women who are coming to you who are, who want to get off hormonal birth control? And um, it's, of course, it's impossible to walk through what your recommendations are for, well, actually, is there a general set of recommendations that you provide for any woman, regardless of what she's experiencing when she wants to come off hormonal birth control? Yeah. So first and foremost, um, if I'm working with a woman who recently came off or is wanting to come off, we want to address a couple of things. So gut health is always at the center of that because the pill really does destroy your gut health. I mean, it took me a really long time to figure out that that was the source of a lot of my digestive issues. Um, and it took me a while to, to fix that too. Um, and now research is actually showing, unfortunately, um, for anyone who's listening to this that might be taking the pill, that you can't always get your the integrity of your gut back 100% after taking it, but you can improve it. Um, so we always address gut health. So, you know, getting them on a good probiotic, addressing their diet, making sure that they're incorporating um, high fiber foods into their diet, making sure their bowel movements are regular because that's how you detox a lot of excess hormones. Um, additionally, nutrient deficiencies. So uh, the pill causes many nutrient deficiencies, including uh, B vitamins and some minerals um, like zinc and sometimes magnesium, depending on the woman. So getting them on some good uh, supplements and or increasing foods that are high in those, um, in those minerals and vitamins is really important as well. Um, additionally, you know, for a lot of women who are using the pill as their primary form of contraception, a little bit of education is required 
on what their options are, what the alternatives are. And I usually, even if, even though you're not having a, um, a real, you know, menstrual cycle when you're on the pill, I do get them, especially if I, you know, if they're wanting to get off of it in the next three to six months, I get them to start tracking their cycle just so they get in the habit of knowing where they're at in their cycle and checking in with their body daily, taking um, their basal body temperature uh, so they can get used to that habit. So it's a little bit easier when they come off the pill, educating them around, um, you know, for the fertility awareness method of contraception. Again, whether they're actually, whether they're sexually active or not, I will still get them um, a little bit versed on that. So again, that they're prepared for that and and also discussing other options as well. I'm not a fertility awareness um, educator. So if that's something that they want to pursue, I always refer out for that, Um, but just giving them the basics of like what their options are basically. So I'm kind of like the general contractor in that space. Um, And then I can refer them out, but yeah, those are probably the big things. Um, And then depending on, you know, what their symptoms were before they took the pill, if they had, you know, acne issues, if they had painful periods, we might, you know, dive a little deeper because um, almost always those symptoms will come back. So I usually ask them questions like, do you remember? Some women don't remember because they've been taking the pill for 10 or 15 years, but for the ones that do, <laughs> um, we can address that too. Okay. Um, how often are women, are women seeking you out for, uh, weight loss challenges, especially after coming off the pill? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, nearly all of my clients have a weight loss, uh, concern, a weight concern or a weight loss goal. If it's not the primary, um, factor, the primary goal, it's usually one of the goals in our, in our time together. Um, I think, a lot of women, especially with, you know, all the hormonal issues that we're having now because of all the endocrine disruptors that are constantly in our environment and the high levels of stress that we are under. I mean, nearly everyone is stressed out all the time. <laughs> so everyone there, a lot of women are struggling with that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, nearly everyone, uh, when coming off the pill, I would say it's probably like, I'd say 60% of the women I've worked with who are coming off of the pill or who want to come off the pill are struggling with weight. Some of them, you know, noticed um, a weight gain when they started taking the pill. And so that's something we can address as well. Um, I find for a lot of women who are struggling with estrogen dominance in particular, they will sort of, you know, not suddenly, but, but almost fairly quickly notice a lot of weight gain, uh, in their midsection and their, um, like basically from like upper thigh to belly button. So that like middle area of the body. Um, and that's typically due to estrogen dominance. That's, um, when you have a lot of estrogen in the body, your body will start to, to carry fat in that area. Um, because it, I mean, prime, primarily it's for childbearing, right? Your body wants extra fat in the space to protect the baby. But if you're not actively trying to get pregnant, that can be really inconvenient. Um, if that's not, you know, how you want your body composition to be. So yeah, to answer your question, I'd say about 60% of the women coming off the pill, if I had to give a guesstimate are, you know, have a weight loss concern. And then, but nearly all my clients, that's something that they they're like, even the ones who aren't trying to lose weight, they're like, I mean, if I could, you know, lose a little weight, that'd be nice. Yeah. So with that, is that, are you seeing that as one of the reasons why the, why women want to discontinue hormonal birth control is, yeah. is because they've, they've gained weight while they were on it as opposed to, so it, it's kind of a two-sided question. How many, I guess, percentage wise, um, the women who gained weight while they were on the versus women who gained weight after they stopped taking hormonal birth control, 
um, you know, and, and are then seeking you out for, you know, help with losing the weight. Yeah. I would say if, again, if I had to guess, I would say most of the women that I've worked with lost weight when they got off the pill. Okay. Not all of them, but most of them actually lost weight. Um, and, and again, that's because of, it depends on what type of pill you're taking, of course, but a lot of the women I've worked with lost a little bit of weight or maybe just felt less bloated. Maybe it wasn't like an actual, like, you know, a change in, in the actual weight, but like they noticed they were less bloated, having less gut issues, which I mean, does cause you to lose weight. You can hold up to like five or six pounds of, uh, you know, toxic waste in your intestines. And if you're bloated, that's going to add to that too. And the water weight and stuff. So that is a, a serious thing. Um, I would say, you know, and if I, if I had to guess, I would say I've only had probably two or three clients who had a significant amount of weight gain after getting off of the pill. Um, but again, when we address like blood sugar issues, um, and, uh, sleep cycles and things like that, it seemed to even out pretty quickly. Okay. When you start working with women to begin with, what does the process look like? So we do a really deep dive, um, something called a health history. So the first session is all about that. I have a really detailed questionnaire that I have them fill out before our first session, um, addressing everything from, you know, their height, their weight, all their like basic, you know, body stuff. I want to know all about their menstrual cycle. I want to know like, what color is your menstrual blood? What day, like how long is your cycle? Like all the details, same thing, like with gut health, What's your gut health like? Are you bloated? Are you gassy? Are you this? Are you that? How many bowel movements do you have per day? What color texture? Like I need all the details. Some of them are just like, what is going on here? But additionally, I want to know like food wise, I want to know what does your food look like? Like track maybe three days of eating just so I can get an idea of of what your diet looks like. Also, I want to know what you ate like as a kid, because that has a big influence on what you do now. I want to know about the health of your parents. If you have that information, Um, we are addressing, you know, their uh, relationships as well. I have a few questions around like their community. Who do you talk to, um, supplements that they're taking? Uh, I address spiritual health as well. If they, if that's a part of their life, um, spirituality is really, regardless of how or where you practice having some sort of connection to something greater than you is really linked to good health and, and longevity. So that's really important. Um, And then from there, we will kind of go through all that together and then we'll set some goals for our time together. So we'll do um, like, you know, maybe I say usually two to three main goals and then you can kind of have sub goals underneath that. Um, So we set goals in our first session. And I also have um, a couple of tools that I like coaching tools. I use uh, visual tools that we do together to help them just get a good snapshot of like where their overall, their total health is. Um, So they're, you know, physical, mental, spiritual, relational, financial, um, literally all the things they can visually see where they're at. And we do that two or three times throughout our time together in each session. And then after that, it's a combination of setting some actions that go against our goals. And I always give homework. Um, and then we, after over going over the actions in our, each session, then second half of each session is really around coaching questions and asking high mileage questions. Again, helping people get down to the root of the why behind their behavior. So it's a lot of behavioral coaching, um, a lot of thought work, because as I mentioned previously, if it was just about eating better and exercising, we wouldn't have all the health issues that we have today, right? It is a lot of it is mental. It has to do with our 
generational trauma. It has to do with our limiting beliefs about ourselves, the thoughts that we have every day. So, you know, if, if I have a client who is, um, you know, I can give you an example. I, I had a client who was really struggling with, you know, she was like, she would say these things about herself. And I was like, wait, wait, she'd be like, yeah, like, I just, you know, I can't, I can't do this. Or, you know, I'm just, I feel like I'm really behind. I feel like I'm, um, or she didn't even say, I feel, she just made these statements. Like I'm really behind. Uh, I can't, I can't do that exercise. I can't do this. And I was like, all right, let's, let's break this down a little bit. Um, you're feeling like you can't do this. Uh, you're feeling like you can't get through this, this particular challenge that you're having in your life. Right. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, so write that down. I feel like I can't get through X, Y, Z. So she wrote it down. Then I was like, okay, give me the proof. Prove to me that you can't get through this. What, like, can you, do you have any, any proof in your life or anything? And she was like, well, no, I, I, um, actually, I mean, I can, I was like, yeah. Have you ever gotten through something really difficult in your life before that you thought you couldn't get through? And, and she was like, yeah. And I said, what, uh, tell me about it. And she told me about a situation where she had to take this really big exam for her career. And she really thought she wasn't going to pass and how many hours she spent studying yada, yada. And I was like, all right, so let's reframe that thought. I'm feeling like I can't get through X, Y, Z challenge, but the truth is, and she, I was like, write that down for me. So she wrote it down and I was like, okay, what's the truth? What? And she said, well, the truth is I've gotten through difficult things in the past and I can get through this too. Cool. Write that down. I was like, every time you have that thought, now I want you to go back to this journal and I want you to write that out again. And so it's a combination of like giving recommendations around food and exercise and things, but also helping them understand that they are the actual, the person holding themselves back <laughs> by the limiting beliefs they have and the thoughts that they have every day. Yeah. And I love that. I, I know like I, myself, I enjoy listening to, um, coaches, energy coaches who talk about that, who talk about, yeah, it's really your limiting belief. And I've actually got a, an upcoming podcast episode talking with an energy coach where she kind of guides through, um, sessions on this. So I, you know, I love what you, I love that you're encouraging these, um, the journaling, you're encouraging these exercises to, you know, help someone see through and see past it. Um, and I think that's so important. And that sounds like part of your work to helping your clients drop into their bodies. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is I work with a lot of people and I, I am guilty of doing this myself quite often is like, we're trying to, you know, we have a situation that doesn't feel good, or you're trying something new and, and you're just, you're trying to think your way through it. But like, if you feel a certain way about something, you can't think your way through it. Feelings are called feelings right. because they're meant to be felt. So we have to drop back into our body. And that kind of ties in the yoga and meditation and why I, I really wanted to get that certification because I felt like that's what was missing is connecting the mind, the body and the breath and getting people back in their bodies. We spend so much time in these virtual environments. I mean, I, the irony that we're doing this over Zoom, but you know, we spend, we spend <laughs> so much time in these virtual environments. Like I'm on Zoom calls all day at, for my corporate job. I am, you know, we're on our phones. Like we're just in these virtual things and connecting to what's real, connecting to our physical body, grounding into our space. Like so many people just live up here, you know, and life's not happening right. up here. It's happening right here. I'm for people listening. I'm showing my body it's happening in this space, right? So connecting back to the body, connecting back to the breath, getting grounded is so important in our total health. Yeah. And speaking of that, so you mentioned that you're a certified yoga instructor as well. And with 
with that, there's so much overlap with the Ayurveda aspect. And you mentioned at the outset of this that you incorporate principles from both Ayurveda and also TCM into uh, your healing work. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I love that you're, you know, you're pulling from these different modalities in order to treat the person holistically. Yeah, it's, um, I, I just feel, I wish that there had been someone, I'm sure there was, but I, I wish there were had been resources for me to understand many years ago when I was struggling with some really serious health issues that there's more than just you know, medicine and there's more than there are multiple, multiple ways to get to what I'm trying to achieve, which is to feel good. Um, but yeah, it does really, because, and that, and that's the thing too, is there's a, going back to what I said about, um, you know, people just taking pills and to put band-aids on issues. Modern medicine has its place. Medicine is a gift. It is a gift and it is something we can use to elevate our health, but too many people are just relying on the recommendations or decisions from one doctor or one practitioner and not understanding that there are so many different ways you can approach healing. And we are not, again, just physical beings. We are physical, spiritual, mental, emotional. So you have to connect all those things. And and that's why I try to bring in a little bit of everything to my practice because Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, all these different modalities, they have value. They have something to add. For example, traditional Chinese medicine that's where acupuncture came from. Acupuncture is so healing. The acupuncture is not woo-woo. There are thousands of clinical studies that have shown the effectiveness of acupuncture and any well-educated medical professional would agree that acupuncture is beneficial. Um, so that's just one example. Like I usually get a lot of my um, clients that have PCOS doing acupuncture because it's really helpful. Um, and then, you know, in Ayurveda, we have like the warming and the cooling foods and ways you can incorporate that into your lifestyle. There's just so many beautiful things that we can pull from all these places. So instead of becoming so siloed into one way of doing things, understanding there's so many different ways that you can do things and you can pull wisdom from every healing modality and from, from every part of life, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Just one kind of one more thought on that is because you were speaking so much about us being up in our heads and thinking logically about things all the time. And um, I know for me, like this is a huge struggle for myself because we are conditioned from a very young age to be in that always seeking external for healing us, for healing our bodies internally. And then oftentimes if we just reconnect we inherently know what we need. And oftentimes it is something within us that needs to be rebalanced, realigned to achieve that health goal that we're seeking. Um, Before we hit record, we were talking a little bit about weight loss in more, well, we were talking about two things. We were talking about weight loss and we were also talking about fertility. And um, kind of wanted to circle back around to that because you said something really profound about when you're working with women um, who are seeking weight loss and you said that, you know, really this whole idea of loss is such a negative connotation. Um, So could you just elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah. So whether it's weight loss, fertility, really anything, um, something I encourage my clients to do is be really mindful of the language that you use to describe yourself, to describe your body, to describe your experience, being mindful of, again, going back to 
the thoughts and the the things that you believe to be true about yourself. So weight loss is a really good example because when uh, someone says I want to lose weight and they're struggling to lose weight, well, yeah, the word loss, like that has a, a negative connotation, right? So um, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I encourage them to say, I want to release this weight or I want to change my body composition. I want to become stronger. I want to increase my muscle mass. Like just changing the way that you talk about it can actually cause it to be uh, create a more empowering experience for you. And um, the term weight loss comes with such a like icky, like even when I say it, like it just it's so icky, right? Like it, it has so much baggage in our society. And, you know, it's a lot of people struggle with their weight or have, and I know so many women who um, struggle with their weight. And then I look at their mothers and their mothers are also doing all this yo-yo dieting and fad dieting. And um, it's, it's, become a traumatic experience. A lot of women, you know, grow up and their mom is doing all these diets and that's all that they know. And then they inherit those beliefs and those thoughts and those behaviors. So really approaching weight loss from a place of empowerment. And same thing goes for fertility too. Like the word infertile is really damaging and it's, it's really low vibe. So, you know, instead of being like, I'm struggling with my fertility, like connecting to your body, connecting to your womb space, connecting to the divine feminine within you uh, alongside some of the modern things of, you know, maybe if IVF is an option for you or whatever, but really changing the language that you use to describe your body. Like, would you, and I always ask, you know, would you talk about your friend's body like that? No. Then why would you talk about your own body? Like talking to your body as if it was your best, talking about your body and to your body as if it was your best friend's body. Like I would never tell my best friend that she's fat. I would never say she needed to lose weight. I would never say, tell her that, you know, oh, you're infertile or you're not doing what you were like a lot of women that struggle with fertility. They're like, my body's not doing what it's supposed to do. I would never say that to my friend, to someone I loved, right? So think it changing. And and again, a lot of this is really subconscious, which is why it sometimes takes a therapist, a coach, some sort of healer to ask you questions and help you bring it out, bring these things to light, these really subconscious limiting beliefs and thoughts. So you can be like, whoa, I've actually been tormenting and really degrading to my body my entire life. I need to change this, right? But yeah, changing the language and the energy around that to do your best. Now, obviously some situations are really challenging. And if you have difficult emotions, again, working with a therapist or someone who's licensed to help you process that stuff. But once you processed the icky stuff saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work on this, but how can I reframe this into a more empowering thought and a more empowering experience for myself? Okay. I love that. Um, one one perhaps final question in this uh, in this part of it is, and this is just tying in the sound healing bath. How how does that integrate into your work? Yeah, so um, I was introduced to uh, sound healing at the um, studio here in Houston. Shout out Soul Tribes. Um, that's where I did my yoga teacher certification, and I was I've been practicing there since they opened about four years ago. And, um, sound healing is so profound. Everything that we interact with on this earth has a frequency. It has a vibration and this is not woo woo. This is, this is physics, right? Everything has a frequency. You can measure it. 
The challenge is now many of us are, again, stressed out of our minds and we're interacting with these synthetic materials all day. We're interacting with Wi-Fi, which those electromagnetic fields have a frequency that can be harmful to our body. So um, sound healing, sound bowls, uh, you play different instruments. In my case, they're crystal quartz bowls, but there's like the Tibetan bowls. There's all sorts of different things you can do. Um, and there's, there's like a whole, there's courses about this, by the way, this stuff, I'm just kind of scratching the surface here. There's so much to know about, um, sound healing and frequency, but the bowls that I use are crystal quartz bowls. And each of them is uh, tuned to a different frequency that has been found to be very healing for the body. And they're tuned to the, the different chakras in the body, which is really cool. So um, regularly doing sound baths uh, can help you be less stressed. It can help you um, be to sleep better. It can help to boost your mood. There, I've even seen um, some work that they're doing now. These ha they have these really fancy sound machines that give off a certain frequency that they're using for people that struggle with PTSD um, and also for neurodivergent children. So um, really, really cool work. And again, scientists, scientists or judge or physicists rather just scratching the surface with this stuff. But, you know, for example, um, I hosted a, an event last night and I, part of the event, we did a sound bath at the end. And one of the attendees texted me this morning and her sleep score on her, I don't know if it's her Apple watch or her Fitbit was hundred percent. And she was like, I haven't had a hundred percent in months. So it's, it is really cool. This stuff works. And regularly practicing, um, you know, sound healing and whether that's just listening, you can find different, um, frequencies on Spotify even, but the benefit of doing it, you know, in person with the bowls is you get the physical benefits of those vibrations as well, but it can also be really healing just to listen to different frequencies. Like if you look up love frequency or like focus, uh, focus frequencies, frequencies they have, that have been used to help people that have ADD or ADHD, for example, um, it's really profound. And I nerd out about this stuff. Yeah. I've been nerding out about the sound frequencies for a while. I know. Um, so I have Hashimoto's and, I'll go through phases where I play a lot of thyroid support frequencies. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thyroid is very sensitive to EMFs from our cell phones and from Wi-Fi. So, um, anyone that struggles with thyroid issues, sound healing could be, um, really helpful for you. Okay. Yeah. That's great to know. I also enjoy some of the liver frequencies as well. I, it, all this organ specific kind of stuff for me. So I haven't, it's a space that I haven't really looked into in, um, in terms of what you just described, where it's helping to support, you know, connection with your emotions and connection with your feelings. Um, and even for the sleep, the sleep aspect of it, being able to drop into sleep. Um, so I, I love that you, you know, just expanded on that and also talked about the chakra system and supporting, you know, all seven of the chakras. Um, yes. So with what you have planned for this episode, what do we just, I also feel like this is one where you don't even have to know what it is. You just listen to it. 
Yeah. Well, I can, um, I'll unplug my mic now and walk over to my coffee table. Um, and what I'll do is I will just guide everyone through anyone that's listening. Um, you know, I encourage you to come to a, a comfortable seat. If you're listening to this while you're driving, maybe listen to it later. You can listen to the frequencies, but don't follow the breath work or the, the suggestions to close your eyes. But, um, I'll just do a, a quick couple of deep breaths to help everyone get grounded. And then I'll play for like, you know, eight to 10 minutes ish. And, People can listen to it and they might fall asleep, which is, that happens a lot, which is great. Um, and we'll just take it from there. How does that sound? That sounds great. All right. I'm going to mute and unplug myself. All right. So if it is safe to do so, I invite you to come to either a comfortable seat or lying down. Um, if you're seated, I love to just come to an easy seat with my legs, uh, crisscross applesauce maybe rooting the sits bones onto the ground or seated on a block or a cushion, uh, or you can lie down, just fully allowing the body to um, open and surrender. You can bring the soles of the feet together, opening the knees in a butterfly. Um, obviously, if you are driving or walking or running, listening to this, please uh, stay alert. But if you are in a place where it is safe to do so, maybe you shut down your eyes or bring them to a soft gaze. Just start to tune inward into the body. Start to bring your awareness to your breath. Noticing what it feels like when you inhale versus what it feels like when you exhale. Go ahead and exhale wherever you are closing the mouth, taking a big inhale, expanding the belly, expanding the ribs and expanding the chest. And exhale, deflating chest, ribs, belly. Inhale, expanding belly, ribs, heart. Exhale, deflating chest, ribs, belly. One more big inhale through the nose, expanding the belly like a balloon. The ribs expand, the heart expands, and then sigh it on out. Ha. Just allow yourself to take a few minutes here, being present with your body, being present with this experience, just to listen. There's nothing else to do, and there's nowhere else to be.
as you are. Just start to notice your breath again, keeping the eyes closed or at a soft gaze if it's safe to do so. Tuning back into the body, tuning back into the breath. Notice if there's any new sensations anywhere in your body after this experience. Start to deepen your inhales and deepen your exhales. Going back to the breath, that three-part breath we did at the beginning, inhaling, expanding the belly like a balloon, ribs expand, chest expands, exhaling, chest deflates, ribs deflates, belly contracts. One more big inhale, expanding belly, expanding ribs, expanding heart, and exhale, sighing it all out, ha, letting it go. Bringing a little bit of gentle movement into the body, wiggling the fingers, wiggling the toes, rolling the head side to side, and gently allowing yourself to come back up to a seat if you're not already there. Bringing hands to heart center, bowing the chest in gratitude to yourself for setting aside a little bit of time to reconnect with your body and your breath. Namaste. All right, Haley, as we start to wrap up, how are people able to connect with you? Yeah, so my uh, I'm very active on Instagram. I'm at holistic underscore in underscore Houston on Instagram. Um, so that's a really good way to connect with me. If you want a lot of content around hormonal health, nervous system regulation, um, my website, holisticinhouston.com is also a really great resource uh, with some, I do a lot of blog posts and a lot of content recipes, things like that on there. Um, so those are the two primary ways. I have an email list. I send out like two emails a month with health tips and um, upcoming events and stuff. That sounds great. And is there anything that you'd like to leave people with as, as we wrap up here? Yeah, just kind of tying in everything we talked about. I mean, I really invite anyone listening to this to just think about how you can get more in tune with your body and, um, you know, become the CEO of your body, as I said, and start to just really pay attention to what your body's telling you because your body's always sending you signals and is always sending you little whispers and um, if you don't listen to those whispers, they start to turn to screams. So just really starting to pay attention to what your body is trying to tell you and maybe creating some sort of mindfulness practice around that will be one of the best things you can do for your health and your happiness. Um, so yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for your time today, Haley. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Brandy, for the work that you do um, and for being a light. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, thank you for your time.